Welcome to this CSG special. I've been waiting for this one for quite some time, and I hope you all enjoy it. This one's a little off the beaten path, but I hope you really enjoy this one. Uh, this one is featuring uh, the, the, uh, who I've been reading for the last two years, and I hope you really, really enjoy this. Uh, this is Mark Blanchard from Blanchard Family Wines, and this is a CSG special. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSU podcast. And this is a, a really, really a one, like I said before, it's like I've been really looking forward to this. Um, I've got with me from Blanchard Family Wines, uh, one, one of the Blanchard brothers. Uh, it is Mark Blanchard all the way out there in Sonoma County, California. Uh, hello, Mark. How are you doing tonight? Uh, greetings from wine country. I am excellent this evening. Love your intro music, by the way. Oh, and yeah. uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this as well. Uh, this has been, this has been, I've been thinking about this one for quite some time. And I think I would like to give you an opportunity to talk to the people who have been hearing me talk about Blanchard Family Wines for two solid years now. I want to give them the opportunity to hear about you, your business, your brother, uh, what and what really kind of got you started. So actually, why don't we just start there? What made you start uh, a, a business where you grow, uh, or not grow grapes, but you create wine from grapes? Was it an epiphany one day, or did you, was this always a passion that you had? Well, um, and that's, that's the question. I mean, that's the question we get asked so much. And, uh, and it's a story that we like to tell, because for us, uh, we really pride ourselves in the fact that it's a unique story in the wine industry. So I've been saying this for years, the wine industry specifically in California, specifically when you get into like Napa Valley, Sonoma County, there really is two primary plot lines that most wineries tend to follow. And it's what I like to call the born into it or bought into it story. And you have the, the third generation wine family, you know, bo born into the family. Grandpa bought some land 100 years ago. Or you have the bought into it storyline. It's the I'm a retired surgeon. I'm a dot com millionaire who likes wine. And I'm just going to buy my way into the wine industry. I'm going to buy a, a castle. I'm going to buy a vineyard. And my brother and myself take so much pride in the fact that we don't follow either of those plot lines. We're, we're a unique story. Mm -hmm. At least we like to think we are. So my brother and myself are not from California. We're not from wine country. We are from Peoria, Illinois. All right. We are humble, just Midwesterners. Uh, my mom's an immigrant from Hong Kong. My dad grew up in Peoria, Illinois. So we're not from a, a wine family. In fact, we weren't even from a wine drinking family. It wasn't until my brother and myself got in the wine industry that our parents even discovered wine. So really, there was no early influence of wine or wine culture in the Blanchard family or for my brother, James, or myself. He independently discovered wine in a very, uh, I would say, random, uh, but uh, unique way. So my brother, my older brother, James, who is the co-founder and co-owner of the company with me, mm -hmm. my older brother, James, went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. 
graduated as a young officer in 1998, became a special operations helicopter pilot, proceeded to spend 20 years as an officer in the Air Force, actually retired a few years ago as a lieutenant colonel. But early in his career, one of his first stations was near Santa Barbara. And he was flying helicopters and he was training as a young officer. And he started going wine tasting in his spare time in what would be uh, like the Central Valley, San Yez Valley. And he started discovering wine in his early 20s is just a, a hobby. You know, he liked to say that it was a cheap way as a young officer to have a good weekend where you could just, you know, buy some bread and cheese and, and, and buy a bottle of wine and enjoy the scenery. And that's how he discovered wine. Well, at that time in my life, I was still in college. I went to college at a small liberal arts college in the Chicago suburbs, a suburb called Naperville, Illinois. And when I was 20 years old, before I was old enough to actually drink wine, I got a job at a wine shop as a stock boy. So I swept the floors and I took out the garbage and I stocked the shelves at a wine shop knowing nothing about wine. Because again, not from a wine background, didn't know anything other than I was pretty sure there was white wine and red wine. I mean, that was, that was the extent of my wine knowledge. Right. When I turned 21, the owner of the store took me under his wing and started teaching me about wine and said, well, you're old enough to drink wine, you're old enough to sell wine, you better learn about wine. So I got a crash course lesson in the world of wine the day I turned 21. I started drinking wine from all over the world um, and and different styles of wine and a lot of California wine and and was, was, you know, really tasting wine professionally from the day I was legally allowed to drink wine. So all of a sudden, separated by half a country at a time in our lives where my brother and myself we're really actually not that close. Yeah. That, that was a segment in our life where we were, we were separated geographically, but we were really separated uh, in, in, in our lifestyles and the direction of our, our, our careers and our past and, and you know, our mentality and philosophies on the world had, had really shifted in different directions at that point in our life. So we weren't really very close. So for a while, it was unbeknownst to one another that we were both discovering wine. Wow. It was this very serendipitous, this, <laughs> this sort of a kind of a weird um, act of fate that right. we both discovered wine at the same time, not knowing that it was happening to one another. So one year, my brother decides, you know, he's coming home to Peoria, Illinois for Christmas. Um, I'm coming down from the Chicago suburbs to Peoria for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he decides he's going to bring some nice wine from California, introduce wine to the family Christmas. And I have this vision of I'm going to bring some wine from the wine shop I work at, and I'm going to introduce wine to the family Christmas. And both of us had this idea, like, we're going to be the golden son, right. you know, that shows <laughs> off to mom and dad. Like, I'm sophisticated now. I've, I've introduced you to fine wine, but we both did it, not knowing that we were going to do it. So we both show up to Christmas that year, and there was this moment of, well, wow, you're into wine? Because I'm into wine. What kind of wine do you like? <laughs> Um, like, oh, you, you've been to that winery in California. Oh, I sell that wine in my store. And we had this, this instant connection over wine. And all of a sudden, that became this catalyst for us coming back together as brothers during a time in our life where, like I said, we, we were kind of not quite as strange, but we, we were really kind of on separate paths in life. Right. And for a few years there, we really we really focused on the differences we had as brothers. And once we found that connection with wine, it became the start of us focusing on all the things we always had in common and still had in common. And wine became 
that that starting point of of us becoming closer brothers than ever before and we started bonding over wine and i flew out to california to visit him i mean in a short time i went from not even having his address in california to going on vacation in wine country with him and we're going wine tasting and we're we're bonding over this shared passion and at a certain point uh after actually two trips actually two trips that i took out to california and us going wine tasting we started thinking about, well, wouldn't it be crazy if one day we got in the wine industry together? Wouldn't it be really crazy if one day our name was on a bottle of wine? Wow. And we started, you know, just dreaming that that one day dream. And I progressed my wine career and I ended up opening, you know, a second store with the owner and becoming the wine buyer and really learning more and more about wine. James progressed his Air Force career, but he started becoming more of a wine collector. And at a certain point, much to his encouragement, I decided to throw caution in the wind and move to California. Said, if I want to be in the wine industry, I'm young, I'm, I'm single, I don't have a kid or a mortgage. Like, I'm just going to move to wine country and get a job at a winery. The one guy that convinced me I could do it was my brother. Wow. Everyone else in my life was skeptical, but he was the one who was saying, like, just do it, Mark. Just show up in California and talk your way into a job. And that's what I did. I showed up to California at 24 years old with nowhere to live. I had no job. I didn't know anyone in the entire state. And I talked my, my, talked my way into a job at a winery and started progressing my career any further. And him and I just kept talking about one day, one day we'll start our own business. Well, my brother being a very ambitious person, uh, and I think part of that is his Air Force career, and part of it is just who he is. Yeah. Uh, we, we were connecting one time in Colorado. He actually came out for uh, my, uh, I think it was a birthday, came out to see me for my birthday. And him and I, in typical fashion at that time, you know, we'd stay up late drinking wine and inevitably <laughs> we would start having that one day conversation. That one day we're going to start our own wine label, you know, after our second bottle of wine that night, we would start, you know, fantasizing. And my brother, he says, Mark, um, we could spend the rest of our lives talking about one day. Let's just do it. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean do it? Like, we're going to start a wine label? It's like, yeah. Like, what does it take? We'll buy some grapes. We'll, we'll get a license. Let's just start a wine label. Wow. And, you know, the next morning we woke up and it still seemed like a good idea. So at that time, I knew some people in the wine industry and specifically a gentleman named Gene, who is an independent winemaker in my town of Hillsburg that mm-hmm. I uh, still live in to this day. And I connected with Gene and said, my brother and myself want to start a wine label from scratch. Like, how do we do that? And he guided us into, okay, well, you got to find good vineyards and you got to buy grapes and you get a license and, you know, you figure out how to sell it and we'll start a web page. And really one day, my brother and myself put a little money together out of our own pocket. We initially bought two tons of grapes, which is the equivalent of around a hundred cases of wine, which is nothing. I mean, that's hobby. Uh, And we started Blanchard Family Wines with our winemaker, Gene, completely from scratch. That was almost 12 years ago. And, you know, we sold wine off a web page. We had no taste room. We didn't even have our own winery. We made wine at someone else's winery. And 12 years later, we're making about 4,000 cases of wine. It's still my winemaker, Gene, and I overseeing winemaking operations. James is retired from the Air Force. A few years ago, we opened the doors on a downtown Denver facility and every day, we're still just trying to make that improbable dream come true. You know, uh, it's no longer one day. It's, it's every day. We're just yeah. trying to do it. Well, it, it's fun. It, it's interesting because I, I, 
it's amazing how uh, wine can make one um, philosophical. And I think that's why it's, it's such, it's so enriched in French and Italian cultures. And there's that just let's have a conversation around a good bottle of wine. Usually for me, it's a good bottle of red, but uh, if you know, you could uh, get a Barbera out to me or a, uh, um, or a, like a good cab, because that's, you know, what I'm obsessed with. And I just, I will get philosophical and I don't know if that's the wine, but I mean, it's, it's still, there's something about it. And, and I think that is that it's conducive to having good creative conversations. And one of the things I enjoyed about going to at least the dairy block location was uh, it was a good place, a good atmosphere to just sit down and have a conversation, which is what I look for in a place to, you know, go have some wine. But first and foremost for me, and uh, people are going to hear this and think I'm gushing and I am, um, is that the, the quality of the wine itself is very good. Um, it took me a while to get into Pinot. And now since you're California, that's, that seems that's the wine of California, you know, Pinot Noir. Um, is that the most prevalent varietal of your wines or do you just kind of equally spread it out among, amongst the different varietals that you have? Uh, great question. And I mean, short answer is no. Uh, Pinot Noir is by no means our number one wine, number one seller, anything like that. It is one of the wines in our portfolio. So when James and I were bold enough to start Blanchard Family Wines, it was such a bold endeavor. It was such a you know crazy idea. I always say, like looking back on it, we were just naive enough to not realize how crazy it was. And that worked in our favor. Uh, we were just crazy enough to make it work. But we were also smart enough to recognize that we didn't want to limit ourselves when it came to marketing, when it came to you know, sales, when it came to winemaking. So a lot of wineries, you know, they'll start with an idea of, I'm gonna specialize in Cabernet, I'm gonna specialize in sparkling wine. Where from the very beginning, our thought was, we're going to specialize in to try to make any good wine we can and really hope someone wants to buy it. Yeah. So we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves. Right. So our first couple of wines we made were like Cabernet Sauvignon and Zinfandel. Uh, Syrah was an early specialty of ours because our winemaker, uh, Gene, was kind of specializing in Syrah before he worked with us. Uh, Pinot Noir came kind of further down the line for us and was... Uh, really inspired by the idea that Pinot Noir is a popular American wine. It's prevalent in the neighborhood that I live in. Pinot Noir grows very well here in Sonoma County, or at least parts of Sonoma County. But for us, it was, it's always been the idea of making a variety of wine. Yeah. Uh, we are asked oftentimes, you know, what's your specialty? Making good wine. Right. Uh, that's our specialty. And more than that, it's this idea, like you said, you know, wine, you know, wine is something that brings people together around a table to talk. Wine is something that families share and friends share and is at the dinner table. And for me and for my brother and for my winemaker, Gene, you know, wine is more of this, you know, magical romantic beverage than it is just something we make and sell for a living. So we never wanted to limit, you know, ourselves creatively we never wanted to limit ourselves from uh, a business standpoint. Right. We wanted to make a variety of wine. So we go out and we buy the best grapes we can from multiple vineyards. We don't own our own land. We work with multiple vineyards and we make a lot of different wines. I mean, we probably have on average 
you know, 10, 12 different wines in our portfolio every year. And as small as we are, that's, that's a pretty good variety. A lot of wineries of our size will specialize in three or four wines a year. But to me, that's limiting yourself creatively. You know, I look at it like any art form. You're a, you're a musician, you're a writer, you know, any art form. Why would you want to limit yourself? Right. Um, you know, why, why wouldn't you want to have a broad spectrum of artistic expression and creative outlet? And for me, you know, wine is bottled artwork. I, I don't want to limit that artistic expression. So, um, you know, for better or worse, we have no focus whatsoever. We're all over the place. <laughs> That's okay, because I, I, I've enjoyed everything I've had there. I've even, uh, you know, you get at your Denver location, and it's the only one I could speak to, but you're, you're, you've got, you know, even some, I, I've been saying this, partnerships with some Western Slope wineries. Um, you've got, I mean, really does have a, and, and I guess this is one of the things I appreciate about Blanchard is it's got the local um, small business field about it. And um, this has been a trying time, obviously, this last year for everyone. Um, have you, how have you guys been able to make it through this time? I mean, California obviously has had probably a, a even more restrictions that we have out here at times. It, how have you been able to muddle through this and, and get to the point where you see the light finally coming down and, and like seeing it on the horizon is it has it been a, a rough year and uh are, are you guys just like looking forward to the future now uh, i mean of course it's been a rough year it's been a rough year for everyone uh i mean anyone who says they didn't have a rough 2020 i mean i don't know where they were living uh i can tell you we, we got through 2020 for a couple reasons uh one was luck you know we're very lucky we're very fortunate that we were able to make it as a company through that rough year. Part of it was a devoted fan base. You know, our wine club members are our fans that have become what I, we always say that, you know, at a certain point you become part of the family, you know, Jeff, you, you clearly are a, a fan enough and a, a regular enough at our Dairybach location. You, you know, you're part of the family now. That's how we look at it. And I, I think you feel it. Yeah. You know, you feel like you're part of something, you know, you know, our story, you know, the owners, you, you know, workers, you, you know, the wines, you know, you're becoming part of the story, part of the family. Right. But a big part of it is I'll give my brother a lot of credit. It was, um, you know, creative innovation. Uh, I think from the very beginning, when COVID hit, my brother and myself talked about the idea of we're not going to sit around twiddling our thumbs and waiting for this to blow over we're going to get aggressive and we're going to pivot and we're going to figure out a way to make it. I think a lot of wineries here in California had this idea of sit and wait. Well, if you're a billion dollar winery, you can sit and wait. When you're Blanchard Family Wines, sit and waiting means probably going out of business. So the biggest pivot that uh, took place over the last, and now call it 13 months, was this shift into virtual wine tastings and it was an idea that i give my i give my brother a lot of the credit for really the vision but him and i came up with the concept together and we started really branching out to virtual wine tastings not just with our existing customers but finding new customers and and targeting businesses and you know tech companies and law firms and hoas and marketing firms and advertising companies and all of a sudden, it just snowballed. In the last 13 months, 
Uh, I am proud to say that Blanchard Family Wines has hosted at this point uh, over 175 virtual wine tastings for probably 3,000 people all over the country. Wow. And wow. we're so proud of being able to do that. <laughs> but it's really what kept us alive. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's a sign of, you know, whether it's COVID or, you know, four years of devastating forest fires here in Sonoma County that is rock tourism or whatever the world throws at us next. Uh, we're never going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. We're always going to think about what's the next step. How can we pivot our business? You know, what is, you know, the creative way we can keep selling wine, telling our story and making this dream come true. Uh, we don't have the privilege of sitting around and waiting. And I think it's um, that, that sense of urgency because we are a small, just family business without privilege and, you know, w without all the, um, you know, safety nets that so many wineries around here have, we've been forced to be creative. And that, that forced creativity has really shaped our business and, and made us who we are today. When we started, when we, when we initially came up with the idea of, of expanding to Colorado, I can tell you my peers here in California, my, my fellow winery peers in the industry here, the question was, why? Why? Why are you why are you going to expand in Colorado? Why why not just open another taste room in California? Like, what, why Denver? Yeah. And now a few years later, those same peers are jealous, and they're realizing like the question now is why didn't I think of that? You know why didn't I think outside the box? Um, you know, mm. and I think uh, again part of that is it, it's luck, it's creativity, but it's also necessity. Yeah, we, we had to think outside the box. And it's worked for us. I tell you, it's, it's been, I, 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 you probably have, because I've been pumping the 2017 Cabernet, because I keep telling people it's my favorite one. You've probably sold more bottles of that or got more, more you know, of it in, your, in uh, the Dairy Block location sold because of CSG, just because I keep talking about it. And uh, I think, I think if it wasn't quality stuff, it wouldn't be worth talking about. And then it starts there. It, it starts with the quality and then it works up. And if you didn't have something that was worth selling, it wouldn't be the foundation. That's the foundation. And it would, nothing else would have been able to really take off from there. But fortunately, uh, you have, to me, a very high quality product. And uh, I have, and every time I've enjoyed it, uh, you know, and, you know, our mutual friend, Nate Lundy, he uh, is the, we can thank him or blame him for, <laughs> for getting me into it. So let's not give Nate too much credit. You know? <laughs> he gets plenty of credit. No, Nate, Nate is great. Uh, I mean, Nate is obviously one of my brother's closest friends. Nate and I were actually co, uh, co-best men for my brother's uh, wedding a couple years ago. So, I mean, considering we were co-best men for my brother's wedding, uh, I, I think that makes Nate almost like a brother to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really do feel that way. Um, but I thank you for your kind words. You know, we, we pride ourselves on our story. We pride ourselves on, again, our, our creative vision as a business. But we pride ourselves on our quality of wine, of course. And that's where it has to start. You know, we, my brother and myself, when we started Blanchard Family Wines, there was a lot of discussion about marketing and, and sales and what's our story going to be? What's our angle going to be? 
Uh, you know, what's our logo going to look, look like? But more than anything, it was, how are we going to buy the best grapes and make the best wine? Because nothing else matters right. if we can't get the best grapes and we can't make the best wine. And I think there's assumption that, well, the best wine is made from these rich wineries that own vineyards. And the truth is, own the vineyard, don't own the vineyard, make the best wine from the best grapes. We don't own the land doesn't mean we can't get the best grapes. So we independently develop these amazing relationships with these different independent growers, and we buy the best grapes from the best vineyards and then try to make the best wine out of it. So, you know, for us, it's, it's all about, you know, you've got to start with a good product, uh, no matter what the industry is. You know, the, the fanciest restaurant with the best location doesn't work if the food's not good. Right. Uh, you know, for us, the wine has, it has to be the start of it all. It has to be good wine. It has to be good vineyard sources, good winemaking. And it, it definitely pleases me on, on a sort of personal level that the 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon is, is one of your, if not your favorite, because that wine does play a special part in, in, my, um, in my heart, yeah. because it was a wine that I can't talk about that wine pour that wine or drink that wine without thinking about what we went through to make that wine, because that was a wine that was harvested, crushed and made in the middle of the 2017 fires that devastated Sonoma County and my community. And it's a wine that truthfully almost didn't happen. Mm. Uh, I mean that very sincerely. Wow. Uh, The grapes were picked. It was a 50, 50 shot, whether or not, we were going to be able to pick the grapes. Uh, there was, there was an actual consideration of whether or not the vineyard was going to make it through the night. Wow. The fires were slow, so close. They were on the other side of a hill from that uh, vineyard. The fires were, uh, the day before we picked the grapes meeting with the ranch owner, uh, there was smoke just billowing over the hills in the background and there was a very legitimate discussion between my winemaker, myself, and the owner of the vineyard of basically saying one of two things is going to happen tonight. The winds are going to shift in the right direction, and you're going to pick the grapes, and you're going to call me in the morning when it's time. Or the wind's going to shift in the wrong direction, and I really hope your house doesn't burn down. God bless and good luck. I mean, that was an actual conversation we had that night or that day before uh, the harvest. And thankfully, the wind shifted in the right direction. Wow. And the fire didn't go over the hill, didn't devastate his land and burn his house down. Mm. Uh, and they picked the grapes. So that's a wine that just kind of reminds me of, of everything we've gone through. Every wine that we have, you know, has a story. And the story behind that wine is the story of, at the time, the most devastating fires in the history of California and how that wine almost didn't even happen. That is stunning. That is absolutely stunning. And, and you know what? Every time I have it, I, 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 I just enjoy it more. You know, there's this uh, scene in The Simpsons where Bernie opens his uh, sleeve and he says, hook it to my veins. Well, that's basically how I think about it. Um, <laughs> I like uh, the Simpsons reference, and I know that reference, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's I'm glad that, that's the wine for you. That's right. And I'm a, I'm a, you look like I'm a 40, 43-year-old man who really began to appreciate wine more in my thirties. And I, I think what I appreciate with you guys is that you've, uh, 
getting this experience has allowed it's opened me up to a lot of other things a opened me up to a lot of other experiences a lot of the 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 charcuterie you guys have at, at blanchard is great too it's really good paired really well with some of these wines um and before i have to let you go because you got other things going on we're good um, I want to ask you what you got coming up because uh, I know that I've had a couple people who listen to my podcast who have uh, indicated to me, you know, what, what do they've got coming down the line or anything like that. Uh, obviously, pandemic, all that, all that thing, all that considered. But is there anything special you got coming up that you want to mention here on the podcast that uh, is going to be for 2021? Well, I mean, opposed of, uh, of referencing specific events, I mean, you can go to BlanchardFamilyWines.com, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You know, there, there's always a new event that we're planning in the dairy block. There's always, you know, some upcoming uh, party or, or, or special tasting that we're trying to create. But, but more than that, it's, it's really this idea of trying to, you know, get back to life like everyone is. Uh, we are really happy that Colorado, I believe, is at 75% indoor capacity, I think is, yeah. is what Denver is right now. Uh, California and at least Sonoma County where I'm at just lifted to 50% indoor mm. capacity. You know, for me, spending the last 13 months sitting in front of a, a computer screen doing Zoom wine tastings has been a blessing. Yeah, It's been a joy. Uh, I actually love it. Um, you know, I'm, uh, well, one of the things on the horizon is I am creating a YouTube uh, channel where I'm going to be doing Zoom wine tasting interviews with really interesting guests. I've got filmmakers and writers, uh, authors, um, artists, musicians that uh, I'm lucky enough to know some some really amazing, prolific, interesting ind individuals where we're going to taste wine and we're going to have you know interesting conversations like you and I are having right now. Mm -hmm. and, and I was very much inspired by the fact that I've done so many virtual wine tastings. What I'm looking forward to in our immediate future is seeing people in person again. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're back, we're back open. We're, we're seeing people in person. I'm looking forward to getting back to events. I'm looking forward to getting back to, to winemaker dinners and, and parties and weddings in person. So, you know, if anything, you know, the future for Blanchard Family Wines is come see us in person, for God's sake. You know, come to the Dairy Block, plan a vacation to wine country, book a private tasting with me here. Um, you know, we're really excited about uh, opening back here in California, really excited about what's, what's going on in Denver right now. I can tell you we're, we're super excited about the All-Star Game. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, God bless the, the luck of the draw there. Uh, not not in the backstory of why it happened, but, uh, you know, right. aim Denver got the all-star game and right. Forest Field just still happens to be two blocks from our winery. I mean, what a blessing <laughs> for us and what a stroke of luck for us. But the idea that, you know, a year ago, a year ago, we were trying to figure out how we could sell some wine to go and wondering if we were going to open our doors back up again. And now we're going to have the all-star game two weeks down the road from us. Mm. I mean, that, that to me is, is just a sign of, of things to come like you know it, we're getting back to life and that is really really exciting because um you know there's nothing quite like this is this is a ton of fun again i i love doing these virtual experiences like this i love to talk to people mm -hmm. um you know that are far away but there's something special about someone sitting at this table in my winery with me 
sipping wine, having face-to-face moments with people. Like you said, uh, you know, wine brings people together. Wine inspires conversation. James and I always say that, you know, our dream in starting this business was not just to create a successful business, but it was to create a business that made a product that brought people together. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. You know, making a product that, that is shared with friends, that is shared with family, that, that brings people together, that connects people. You know, that is something that, you know, is not just, is it, it's special, but it's a privilege. It's a privilege that James and I have that this is what we get to do for a living. We get to make wine and wine is something that brings people together. And we're, you know, we, we thank um, you know, we thank our lucky stars every day that we have that privilege that we get to run this company together and we get to make this amazing product that people enjoy and that people share. And it's, it's not something that's lost on us. It's not something that we forget for a moment that uh, it's special. And it's, it's something that we, um, you know, love doing every single day. You know, I, I, I've got one dose down and a second dose is in uh, for vaccine for me is May 4th. And ah, for the, so the there's about of, um, uh, five or six weeks ago myself, oh, wine man. industry, wine industry <laughs> got quick around here, you know, really, really Could you, because I, that second dose, the first thing I'm doing is going to Blanchard. I mean, that's, that's, I've, I've been planning this out for 13 months, right? So I'm going to go down Blanchard and well, just, just chill. And it's going to be so fun. That, that, second, that second dose has some weird effects on people. Oh, it, it, it had a weird effect on me. I'll tell you that. Uh, I was knocked out for a day. Um, but just that relief of knowing uh, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I am safe now. And I mean, I still wear masks in front of my customers. Of course I do. You know, I'm still going to follow the rules and protocol it and, until someone tells me otherwise. But knowing that I am, I am vaccinated and I am safe for the people that are coming into my winery is obviously a huge relief, but it's also, again, it's, it's just that idea of one step closer to feeling like life might come back. Right. Right. I mean, that, that's what we're all hoping for, isn't it? Right. I mean, we're all hoping for uh, some minor sense of normalcy. I mean, things are never going to be the way they used to be, but but some sense of normalcy, some sense of, of, of getting back to, to life. And I think, um, you know, wine brings people together. Well, over the last 13 months, it's been hard to come together, hasn't it? It has. Physically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, metaphorically speaking, philosophically yes. <laughs> speaking, right? I mean, it's been hard to come together in, in the world these days. And I think we all need a dose of coming back together. I completely agree. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, so if anything, you know, again, uh, beyond just some specific events that we might have on our calendar, the future of Blanchard Family Wines is to find ways to bring people back together in person and just bring people back together. Well, I'm, I've circled May 18th for events, so that's the day uh, Jeff can go back to Blanchard. I think that's, that should be, like, celebrated across the United States. Um, but I, uh, I'll say, okay, just uh, let them know, uh, uh, before I let you go, let them know where they can find you. Uh, let them know uh, all the pertinent information. Um, you, you have uh, your social media, everything that they need to know right now. Yeah, so, I mean, Blanchard Family Wines, of course, Instagram and Facebook, 
Um, you know, we are located in the Dairy Block in downtown Denver on Blake Street, again, two blocks from Coors Field, open there daily. My Taste Room in Healdsburg, Sonoma County, California, which is about an hour and a half north of San Francisco. I am open by appointment only. Uh, I personally host every single tasting in my winery. Wow. So if you visit Blanchard Family Wines in California, you're sitting down with me tasting wine. So definitely, you know, uh, plan your vacations, come out and visit me, book a private tasting, uh, blanchardfamilywines.com. We ship wine to most of the country uh, with ease. So you can always order wine online. Uh, but we uh, more than that, just hope to see some smiling faces in person uh, sooner than later. So please come, come and visit us, enjoy some wine. And Jeff, I am uh, so pleased that you enjoy our wine. I never get tired of, of hearing about someone's favorite Blanchard family wines. You know, 12 years into doing this and someone tells me, you know, your cab is my favorite. I will never get tired of, of hearing that someone likes the wine we make. So I'm so glad you enjoy our wine. Absolutely. And anytime. And uh, I, th- I really thank you for being on here. That's, it's, been a, it's been a good time. I wanted people to get to know the people who were uh, responsible for the thing that I've been talking about for two years. So uh, I appreciate it, man. Hey, it was, it was my pleasure. We can do this anytime you like. I'm, I'm sitting in front of my computer doing Zoom every day. You and I might as well chat a few times. Uh, this, is, this is very true. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Mark. And we'll be seeing you in